T-minus 10, 9. You're listening to the Launchpad Podcast with J-Man. Brought to you by Galant Media. Here's your host, J-Man. Hey, how you doing? J-Man here, and thank you once again for joining me right here with the Launchpad Podcast, Episode 6. We're going to be talking with Jeremy Demerchant. He is a sales specialist all the way from the East Coast, now landed right here in Ottawa for the past year. We're going to talk about MLM, traditional brick-and-mortar business, personal development, always a big thing. Also, some sales strategies and the number one mistake most people make when it comes to sales. But first, I'm going to start things off with a candid conversation I had with Jeremy Demerchant about podcasts. Pat Flynn, he's great stuff. Check them out on YouTube if yeah. you're thinking about doing a podcast. Right. Right? Totally. And everybody should. Everybody should. Yeah. It's, it's the in thing. But also, and this is actually really important because uh, I was listening to something from Pat Flynn this morning and he talked about, um, actually, I don't think it was him, but they're really talking about legacy. <laughs> That's a bad segue. Right? That was a okay. horrible segue. Yeah. But legacy. Oh, it was a quote I saw in the, the Facebook group that we're both in. <laughs> I work from, you know, nine to five to pay my bills. And then I work from five to nine, five to nine to build my legacy. legacy. Yeah. And uh, the thing about a podcast is it goes on beyond you if you design it to do so. Mm -hmm. It's like my little baby. Your little baby. My little podcast. Bye bye. (laughs) Bye bye. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, that's good. I'm going to keep all that stuff in there. All right. Uh, So Pat Flynn, this, that building a legacy. You're Jeremy Demerchant. I am. From permission to sell.com. Mm-hmm. Permission to sell consulting group. Yeah. What's the difference between a salesperson and a sales specialist? Oh, truthfully, the title. It's marketing. It's all marketing. If you can sell, you can sell. Call yourself a salesperson. Call yourself a sales specialist. Call yourself a sales trainer. If you've ever t- showed somebody how to sell, you can call yourself a sales trainer. The truth is, in this industry, titles are a dime a dozen. Uh, when I started my business, I first had founder and CEO on my business card and realized nobody cared. Mm. In fact, it made me look like a small company if the CEO was reaching out to somebody to, to make an offer. So now my business card is a sales strategist because it feels more like it makes the company feel larger. Nobody cares that I own the company. I mean, your listeners might. But when I'm trying to pitch something, they would rather the offer be coming from a salesperson or an account manager uh, because they want to feel like the organization is larger and bigger and more experienced in a lot of cases, not always. And so it just feels like as soon as you say, oh, it's the owner, they're obviously a solopreneur, mm-hmm. which is like the kiss of death if you're trying to do corporate consulting or you know get into the bigger clients. If you just shift that and realize that putting CEO in your card, if you're the person doing the sales, it's just to feed your ego. Yeah. So it's not necessarily a fake it till you make it no but it's you're trying to come across as being maybe a a big fish yeah yeah, totally yeah it's it's i I mean i like to think of it as creating your your org chart i was just you know mentioning earlier one of my clients sent me a picture of her organizational chart because she she runs a small business but she wants it to be a much larger business so what's an organizational chart for those that might not know well that's a great question an org chart is really when you map out all the different functions in your company and what happens is when you're when you start off on your own, you end up usually being the person that fills all the roles or there's roles that just don't get done. But as you grow, you're going to want to fill in some of those spots to free up your time so you can spend your time on the $1,000 an hour tasks, not the $20 an hour tasks. And if you build it out in advance, it lets you think about those particular roles as tasks or responsibilities that you can then fill, whether it's initially with uh, some temporary help or permanent help or whatever. Okay, so we're talking about delegation. Yeah, well, it's, it's really about thinking for the future. Right. So like right now in in my business, 
I do most of the things. I've got some support. I've got one sales rep and I'm building a larger team at the moment, but most of it is me. So I map out my org chart and you know there's going to be a marketing department, there's going to be a sales department, there's going to be an operations department, which already is being filled by somebody else because I know where my strengths aren't and I'm not the most organized. Mm-hmm. I just make sure I have the most fun. When you map out these different positions, you, I guess, give yourself the opportunity to think about what the big picture really looks like and then think, okay, what's the skills that I really want to be filling that spot? versus how can I manage it all in the 24 hours I have in the day. Gotcha. Now, what I really like about you and the reason that I wanted to have you on as like the first sales specialist, which is a bullshit title. Right. Totally. <laughs> completely. Is I really like what you're about. Uh, is that you're just a matter of fact guy. You're constantly adding value to people without expecting anything in return. And you're not doing it in a step one, two, three type deal. Like it's not always in that process right. that a lot of people that are listening to this podcast and our business know about when it comes to click funnels, right, right, all that yeah. kind of stuff yeah. that I'm learning through you. Actually, <laughs> you're going to help me with yeah. uh, click funnels. There are people in the business that are all about, you know, X's and O's, the things that we talked about on, on Facebook. We've had this conversation previously about people that are marketing themselves as gurus. Mm-hmm. And then it'll be like a whole bunch of check marks of all the things you should be doing a whole bunch of X's of what you should not be doing and basically how to live your life. When the reality is, is that that everybody has their own story. They're all going at their own pace. Not everybody needs to live in complete and utter abundance or want a million dollar home or be able to travel the world uh, to where I believe that you meet people where they are. Uh, you've met me where I am. Literally. In my kitchen. <laughs> Tell everybody, we're doing this in my kitchen. Uh, so I would really like to hear from you, and this is a question that I have not asked you before, and I, I'm really interested on your take in regards to what is the number one thing that you believe just generally that people in sales are doing wrong? I mean, there's lots of things, but the number one, I think one of the challenges with sales is that the roles aren't always clearly defined. So some organizations are looking for closers. They have leads coming in. They go to somebody on the phone and their role is to convert them to ideally a yes. But then there's other people that have a business development specialist. They might call them a salesperson. But their job is to go out and find, recruit, um, get that new business, and then convert it. And they're two very different roles, different personalities, different skill sets. And what you end up doing is having somebody that might be great at building relationships, but really just like knocking on doors, out in a business development role and struggling. Where somebody who doesn't mind that doesn't mind the you know the typical rejection like salespeople experience more rejection than probably any other profession it's like it's like baseball right you, you get you know three yeah. out of ten you're a rock star i cry nightly right? there, there you go right <laughs> <laughs> and, and so with these different roles like you might have somebody that's that's great at knocking on those doors and doesn't care about the rejection but they can't ask for the sale or they just don't mm-hmm. right so it's a role thing and understanding what the responsibility is Um, I talked to somebody today who was a really great business person, but he explained that his biggest fear is hiring that, not biggest fear, but one of his biggest fears is hiring that first salesperson because he's had one in the past and it didn't work out well. Mm -hmm. And he said he'd rather hire someone that has no sales experience so that they can, that he can train them or in our conversation, he said he would invite me to train them on how to sell the right way and, and use his system. And it was really interesting, though, because 
there's a lot of fear when it comes to, to hiring the first rep. What that role is? Is it is it a business development role? Is it just a closing role? What's the process created on the marketing side to bring these leads in if it's not a business development role? Or what support pieces are in place? Um, for example, I'm working with a new I'm working with a new client right now who is generating leads online through Facebook. But we've mapped out a process where they're going to inquire through the Facebook ads and then they're going to be presented with three or four emails with video content showing them everything they need to know. Mm -hmm. And when they get to my sales team, the sales team just has to explain or answer any questions that they have. And there's also a controlled process there. Right. So you know that there's only going to be so many questions that you're going to be faced with because you're directing them to the information that they're going to see, therefore reducing obstacles and just letting your sales team, the closers, do what they do, which is just provide that customer service, educate them a little bit further if they have some questions, and then make the close in that process. Yeah, I don't like the phrase customer service because it's, it's horribly misused, but they are serving the client through sales. Okay. They're helping influence the person's decision in a way that's going to most impact their business or life or whatever the scenario is with the product. But the other piece that I think is really important is because there's a process, you can measure it and then you can optimize it. Now, what about for just that one person, that sole entrepreneur? Same deal. What's the number one thing that they're doing wrong? We're not thinking about hiring staff. Mm -hmm. They're just peddling a product. Right. They have a service that they want to offer. What are they doing wrong? Or even let's go one step further. You think of what they're potentially doing wrong. What would be the first thing that they should be doing? Like in regards to being able to get out there, share their product and service, and then being able to close them on that product and service. The first thing they have to do is actually start tracking their process. Mm -hmm. So anyone that's in business and hasn't you know, the, the business hasn't closed the door. It means that they have some sort of sales process. But if they're a sole proprietor or solopreneur, mm -hmm. then they probably don't know what the process is because it's developed from their experience. It's their gut instinct. They just go with their gut and it just happens. Okay, so we should just dumb this down a little bit. Sure. So for the person that's out there looking to sell their candles and they're having uh, an exchange, it doesn't go the way that they want. They're writing down what happened with that exchange with that person mm -hmm. and trying to find a way that maybe they could have made it better. Exactly. But okay. also, also mapping out the process on a whiteboard and a binder online, wherever. So they know the steps. I talked to three people today um, through Facebook Messenger. Okay. And then I managed to get one of them into a conversation and nobody purchased. Okay. Great. Now, increase the numbers because it's not enough data to make a decision. But if you can check the process that way, then you're going to have a better idea of what your success really is. Now, the other piece, though, this is probably the number one thing people are doing wrong and it would have been a much simpler answer if I had given this answer 10 minutes ago when you asked me the question. The, the number one problem. <laughs> you son of a bitch. Right. The number one problem that people are facing in sales is they're being too attached to the outcome. Absolutely. That's a good one. When we get attached to it, when we use this word earlier, posture, mm -hmm. right? We, we change our posture. We're not confident. If we're not willing to walk away from a negotiation that isn't going to work, then we could come across as desperate with what I call commission breath, right? You, I mean, I'm going to pick on carry salespeople. Sorry, guys. Um, but in the old school, doesn't happen anymore, I promise. Wink, wink. But in old school, used car salesman, like if the, the movie Matilda, Danny DeVito plays a really shifty car salesman. So I'm going to use that as an example. Those guys, they'll do whatever it takes to get the deal. Luckily, those kind of 
car salespeople don't survive or the salespeople that are shifty like that just don't survive now anyway in business. When you're coming across as desperate, when you just, all that matters is closing the deal, you can, you sense it. The customer is not comfortable and you're trying to jam it down their throat. Mm-hmm. You're not, if, if they do buy, they're going to, you're going to get buyer's remorse. You're going to yeah. get refunds. You're going to have sure upset reviews, things like that. So, but if you come and say, look, you know what? This might not be right for us. A lot of people, if they really want it and we're just playing games, well, they'll come back and say, oh, what do, what do you mean? Let, let, me, let me prove to you that it's right for me. You're being the bad boyfriend and they love it. Right, right. Yeah, it, I it, want it's, more. It's, it's true, right? And, and I don't use it necessarily as a strategy. Yeah. But when the posture is that you're not attached to the outcome and you want a win-win deal no matter what, then it gives you flexibility. It lets you, it, people can see your confidence. True. So I'm going to take this one step further. Sure. Uh, and dirty it up a little bit because that's what I do. That's what you do. I do. I'm dirty. (laughs) Jim Rohn. Love Jim Rohn. Mm -hmm. Law of averages, things of that nature. My favorite YouTube video on the face of the planet. I watch it over and over and over again, Mm -hmm. right? In regards to just getting 10 people in a room, right? Mm -hmm. Because he only needs three. Mm -hmm. Because three will make you rich and, you know, wealthy beyond your wildest dreams. Uh, And not being attached to the outcome is part of that. You just got to go out there and ask as many people as you can and you can win. Right. You can be that person that generates whatever it is that you want. Really. I mean, and we're going to touch on this a little bit later with MLM. Okay. Uh, because I believe there is a certain skill set that is necessary mm-hmm. to get to that next level. Mm-hmm. But I do believe that anyone can generate a substantial amount of income solely through just being the person that talks to everybody. Mm-hmm. That follows a system, though. Yeah. And all MLMs are very big on following a That's system. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Jim Rohn. Uh, you touched on baseball earlier. That's what brought it to the top mm-hmm. of my head. You know, you hit the ball three times, get out seven. You know, you're getting paid $25 million yeah. in today's marketplace, right? Yeah. It's like going to the bar. The guy, this is the dirty part. This is the dirty part. <laughs> you yeah. know where I'm probably going with this uh-huh. because you know I'm dirt. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is the guy that will go around and ask everybody if they want to go home mm-hmm. with him right. at the end of the night. Right is the guy that's going to have the most people going home with him for the most part, right? Uh, Because he doesn't care about whether or not they say yes, no, whether they think he's ugly, broke, poor, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. All he knows is that if I ask enough people and he's not picky, now this is not always the best for sales, (laughs) right? Because you're looking, sometimes you want the right client, like you were just saying, right? You're looking for the proper client, Uh, but He's going, he's going to win. I touched on this on the, on the last solo podcast, actually, in regards to asking people out for coffee. Someone says they don't want to go for coffee. You don't stop asking people right. to go for coffee. You don't take it personally. Mm-hmm. So that's a really great insight uh, that you shared. What's, somebody told me a few years ago uh, when I was applying for a job at an online university back in a previous life. And he said, sales is a contact sport, mm. but not physical contact. You just need to make multiple contacts. I like that. And it's I've, I've used it ever since. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sexual contact. That's not going to make it Depends in. Depends on what you're closing, man. Depends <laughs> on what you're closing. That's right. I'm not here to judge, you know. <laughs> it's actually a very good friend of mine that one of his MLMs was, uh, uh, I don't, I, you know, what, I, cream, cream for the nether regions. <laughs> and I don't even know what it did, if it made things larger or whatever, but that's what he sold. <laughs> and the truth is, really it. It doesn't matter what you're selling. People are buying, they're buying you. Mm-hmm. I'm not buying permission to sell. I'm buying Jeremy DeMerchant. Right. If I don't like you, I'm not going to do business with you. Right. Yeah. Right? I, I agree. Yeah. I mean, you need to believe what you're selling, believe in what you're selling. But 
other than that, yeah, it's it's the person behind the on the other end of the phone or across the table or whatever the the context is. So I want to talk about guru types. Uh, they're informational types. Like I'm always blown away that Tony Robbins was a product of Jim Rohn. Right. Like that's mind blowing. And I didn't like Tony Robbins forever. And I didn't even know that the two were associated. Right. But I always liked Jim Rohn. Mm-hmm. And then I, I truly believe when it comes to these talkers or these, you know, the why guys, Tony Robbins, mm-hmm. motivational speakers, et cetera, is that you have to be in a place to where you're ready for them. They're all good. Mm-hmm. But you just have to be at a certain place and you have to be ready for that information uh, to be able to take it in, be able to use it, be successful. And then I think there's some people that are a little bit like Grant Cardone. Okay. okay? Mm-hmm. I like him. Mm-hmm. He, like he amuses me. Mm-hmm. I can't gain too much from him. I just he's on a whole other level. There's some things that I, I can pull out of it. Like I, one of his uh, 10x growth seminars, he's talking about books. Mm-hmm. Like the one big takeaway I've gotten from from him would be attention. Right. He's like, why do I write these books? He says, I don't write these books because they make me money. I make no fucking money on these books. Mm-hmm. I write them because they get me attention. Ah, he does a uh, yep. attention, good or bad. Right. He, he likes attention. Yep. I can't imagine sitting down in a room with Grant Cordone and he's going to be like that with me on a on a human to human level. Do you think he's I, I that like intense he always? I, I feel like he is. You don't um, think that's a posture thing? I Well, I think it's a posture thing, but I think he carries that posture throughout every part of his life. Yeah. Well, so I was at UPW, Unleash the Power Within, with Tony Robbins a couple weeks ago. And Tony got up on stage and said, I realized something. I made this version of myself. Mm-hmm. This isn't the same Tony Robbins that existed when I was 17 years old. So I think we all make a version of ourselves, right? I'm not the same person I was when I was, you know, in elementary, junior high school. So I don't think he does it just, I mean, it doesn't hurt the image, obviously. Grant is very much... Um, you know, the 10X rule. I love the 10X rule stuff. Yeah. I love the attitude of go after it, go big or go home. Don't um, don't underestimate how much work it's going to take to get there. Yeah, let's roll. Let's roll. What I don't like is who's got my money. Like, yeah, the attitude okay. of, you know, um, I, I'm about give the value first mm-hmm. and show like, demonstrate your expertise. But Grant plays on a different level. <laughs> he sure uh, you does. You know, and there was, a, there, there was an episode... Uh, I don't even know if it's still running anymore, but it was called Young Hustlers. He did it, and uh, Jared, his VP of sales, was there. And somebody, one of them said, make your mentors or make your idols your competition. Mm-hmm. And so I retweeted it and tagged them, and I said, I'm coming for you. Oh, wow. Yeah, nice. Um, and Jared liked it. Oh, <laughs> so, that's cool. So, uh, you know, I'm, I want to get to that point in a different way, though. Mm-hmm. I don't need to be the face. Mm-hmm. I just want to have an organization that creates an impact, that helps businesses build their teams, that helps people communicate the value of their products and influence people that it's really going to help to make the right decision and in investing in it. All right. That, that's what it comes down to. I, I, want to get, I want to give them permission to sell. Oh, I like that. I like that. I see what you did there. Like that? That's clever. <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel about touch in sales? As in high touch versus low touch, how often you get in touch with somebody? I mean, physically touching somebody. <laughs> ah, I see. <laughs> I see. Well, see? Now, I, I find this to be happening more and more as we continue to excel in technology. Obviously, you know, the speed of being able to touch somebody online, that type of touch, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Exposures, et cetera. Yeah. Um, in a one-hour meeting that I'm sitting down with someone that might just be wasting my time, I could have had 25, 30, 40 conversations on Facebook Messenger right. 
or through text or whatever it might be. In people's time, uh, it's valuable. But also what's incredibly valuable that's being lost in this exchange in between business people. Mm -hmm. I just think human beings as a whole is being able to just kind of like reach out across the table, Mm -hmm. put your hand on the person's elbow or their shoulder and create that element of trust and bonding and togetherness. Mm -hmm. Like, how do you compensate for something like that? Well, I think you have to find other ways to create that connection. And so whether I'm in person with you Mm -hmm. or whether I'm over a Zoom call, video, video chat with somebody, I'm looking for eye contact. I'm looking for how much they're engaged. I'm looking to push them a little bit. You know, you may have read the book, The Challenger Sale. I, I want to push someone just a little because I want them to know that if they're going to do business with me, I'm not just going to say, yes, whatever you think. Mm-hmm. And let them, because if they did just whatever they thought, they don't need me. I want to show where the value is and part of it's going to be pushing back. Okay. And so that challenging, that eye contact. Touch. If you can. If you if, if you can, yeah. Like, genuinely. I mean, you're not yeah, just yeah. going out of your way to touch somebody. Yeah, These I'm are all genuine like, actions. Right. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to like caress your beard across the table to get a sale. Yeah. But if you can just, <laughs> if you know, we're sitting at a table and you can just put your hand on yeah. their shoulder. Now, believe it or not, the numbers of being able to close, they increase substantially when you're able to engage in a genuine, not dirty touch. Right. <laughs> right? Okay, yeah. Uh, so if you can get in front of somebody, they always say, text, sure. That's one way to get in touch with somebody, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, number two, be able to do a video conference, mm-hmm. voice, something of that nature, yeah. phone call. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, of course, the best type of touch that you could get or exposure would be to actually get in front of that person. Right. Someone that you have vetted, mm-hmm. uh, somebody that you know is interested in doing business, you're in the closing stages or, of course, the introduction stage, getting to know somebody a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Uh, but generally, for somebody like myself, busy, don't have a lot of time. I really want to make sure that the people that I'm sitting down in front of are quality prospects, Mm -hmm. uh, people that I'm likely to do business with. Uh, And then, of course, people that I just like and I want to network with to where I believe that we can do some mutually awesome, you know, business somewhere down the road through referrals, et cetera. Right. Yeah. I I think that one one piece I'll add, though, is that one thing that I do, and I don't focus so much on the touch other than the handshake, mm-hmm. but what I do Well, is... what's going on with you and me then? I'm <laughs> well, what can, what can I say? You're a, you're a special case, J-Man. But what I'll do is I'll make the point to come to their side of the table. Okay. To psychologically help them feel that we're on the same team, right? So it's not you against me face to face. It's yeah. we're on the same side of the table figuratively but eventually literally so that's kind of like a body language thing it's a body language thing yeah so um and if i'm there then you know maybe i'll like and i don't strategically bump into somebody but it just that the physical proximity the the closeness increases and that helps create a similar situation without having the awkward i'm going to awkwardly touch your hand and hope you don't but that's when you do it wrong right so let's just be clear here for anyone that is not familiar with these practices this is a natural thing right it's like there's a good vibe going on you guys obviously you match up you're on the same frequency this is not an intimate touch that way this is a friendly just a touch a pat or whatever it might be uh to where you're just making that connection yeah yeah exactly and, okay. and, and again, I, I actually minimize the physical touch other than the handshakes. Really? Like I'm very big on touch. Yeah. But I mean, I'm like, very big on touch. If, if I've, I've had a connection and by the end of a, a sales conversation, if it's in person, 
then often I'll, I'll hug someone afterwards. But, yeah. but I don't use that as a strategy to build the trust. I use the content and the amount of connection that I make in showing them that I'm aligned with their goals. Fair enough. And then moving to their side of the table. I'd even go as far to say that I believe if you're good at what you do, that touch comes very naturally. Because as salespeople, what we're doing, number one, selling ourselves, right? Which means we have to be very good at building relationships with people. And the quicker that we can build relationships, build that trust with other individuals, the greater likelihood that we'll be able to do something together. Uh, We actually had this chat about MLM and I remember being full-time and MLM was the only thing that I was doing, not being able to turn it off, right? right? Like just always, always sizing people up and always thinking like, how can I get through this person's network, whether they want to participate or not, right? Because we're incentivized by speed. It's not because I don't care about these people, right? But I did do my best to build these relationships as quickly mm-hmm. as as possible because you never know how long you're going to have these people in your sphere. Right. Uh, so making a segue over to the MLM mm-hmm. because there's a lot of people that are in my network that have done MLM. Right. I've done it now for about nine years. I adore MLM. Mm-hmm. Now it's a catch-22. The most awesome, amazing... Wicked thing about MLM, multi-level marketing, not that pyramid thing, (laughs) MLM, a legitimate business model, Mm -hmm. is that anybody can do it. And the worst thing about MLM is the fact that anybody can do it, right? And we're talking about these sales systems and being able to follow step one, two, three, duplication is where it's at. But now when you're dealing with the masses, it's very difficult to get everybody, it's big brother style, to get everybody to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. So there's people that don't follow the system correctly. Um, There are people that are shady. Mm -hmm. There are people that lie, that don't have ethics. I believe you have a background in MLM as well. Just share a little bit of your story there. I may or may not have dabbled in MLM in my day. Yeah, (laughs) it's, no, I've, I actually started my first MLM I think when I was 18, uh, a guy that I went to school in the same area as came up to me and he said, you're going to university. Great. These professors are talking about content in a book that they've never done. Let me show you how you can make more than them before the end of the school year. Well, that's like, a good pitch. Oh, okay. You know, and, I'm, I'm all, <laughs> and I'm going to the conferences and, you know, and, and I'm all in. I was all excited. And what I learned is that and this is something that everybody can learn from MLM, whether they like it or not, or believe in it or not, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. MLMs have a system and I've, I've been a part of probably six or seven in my life. I'm not a part of any right now. Um, and that's because I want to focus solely on one thing, stay focused, right? Where the energy, where the focus goes, the energy flows, Mm -hmm. right? But the best MLMs that I've been a part of were ones that required very little knowledge to be able to sell the product, right? So, um, with the ones that you've been involved with, I would guess that there's a video that you send people. Exactly. Right? It's Don't explain it. No, send don't the video. It. Yeah. Because let, if you try to explain it, you're going to mess it up. That's right. Let the tools do the talking. Exactly. Yeah. And that is how everybody should have their sales system built. Mm-hmm. You want to have a killer sales team? Make sure every single person that comes to them has been through the same process. The videos, the emails, whatever it is for your business. And then measure the numbers. If out of 100 people reading this email, only 10 of them go through to the next step, 
let's make that initial email better, mm-hmm. right? Let's let's measure those things so that you get as many qualified people to the sales team and let them close. And so MLM is the same way. And on the sa- on the note of posture, and this is something I got from an MLM I was involved with, some will, some won't. So what? Yeah. Right? That's take away the attachment of, of the outcome. Mm-hmm. And numbers. And numbers. And numbers. Contact sport. Yeah, absolutely. Like everything that I know in regards to sales stems from MLM. Mm-hmm. Everything that I've done, like from my dog sitting experience, mm-hmm. that's something that I learned to monetize through MLM. Mm-hmm. Everything that I do today, <laughs> it's rooted in what I learned in MLM. And not so much just the practice of being in an MLM, anyone can join an MLM. I believe some are almost free, right? You yeah. just get discounts on product or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's the mentoring that you can get in these MLMs. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're lucky enough to find someone that is uh, proficient, that has done well, six figure income earner, or someone that's generated millions of dollars, I was really fortunate that those were the people that I was around on a regular basis. Right. And I still bang ideas off of them, whether or not they're still in the business. And they've all gone on to do other great things, mm-hmm. right? Because network marketing, you're building through people's network. Worst case scenario, if you do it right, you're increasing your network, mm-hmm. okay? Right. Which is your net worth. <laughs> uh, word of advice for anyone that was going to go into an MLM that was looking to do it seriously is do your research. And I don't mean go on Google and find out what is happening with that MLM because that's going to be all garbage. If you're going to pick one, find out who it is in your area that's doing really well with it and research the people. There should be an interview process in regards to the person that you want to do that business with and find out who they're connected to, what type of advantages you would have by working with that person so you can really get your best start. Because what will happen a lot of times is that I'm just Jay and I'm talking to you saying, hey, join this MLM. I'm not doing anything with it. I'm not that committed. And you say, sure. And you do it with me. I take your 500 bucks. It goes nowhere. And now you're one of those guys talking about how like MLM sucks and you don't make any money. Uh, So if you're going to do it, I mean, take full advantage, connect with the right people. And you wanted to touch on the personal development angle of being in an MLM. Yeah. And I think for me, and I didn't realize it until we were talking here, but I think that MLMs are the reason why I got introduced to the personal development space. Like mm-hmm. I was there, you know, 18 years old being introduced to my first MLM. And with that came the Jim Rohn tapes and the the Tony Robbins and all the different resources and people from within that organization that were teaching and training. And I ended up getting obsessed with learning all this knowledge. And I came, I came from a small town um, in Atlantic Canada, 56,000 people. And, you know, I love where I come from. But there's a reason why I moved away. And it's because there's a different mindset when you get into a bigger city. Mm-hmm. And people, for me, listening to Tony Robbins, bringing speakers into town, that was weird. People didn't get it. They thought I was, the idea of becoming quote unquote rich or generating a million dollars in revenue was insane to the average person back home. And truthfully here, it's, it's a lot of people feel the same way. But there's pockets of people that get it. And that want to support you. And they're they're not deterring you just because they're nervous about your your well-being. Where and that's that's family, right? Family kind of deters you if they're they're nervous about your well-being. 
But those pockets of people that support you, that's what MLM was for me when I started. Sure, they were incentivized for me to be successful. And I think that still holds true when you're creating a great comp plan for a sales team, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Incentivize the manager to do a good job managing. Incentivize the sales reps to get the right kind of sales with the right kind of clients. But when you have that support in place, it's a world of difference. And it opened up my eyes to a world that I didn't know existed. Thank goodness for it. Because now personal development, every morning at the gym, I'm listening to a podcast or an audio book because I don't have all the knowledge in my head. And even the knowledge that I do have is useless just as knowledge unless I'm implementing it. And I need somebody day after day to spark those ideas in my mind, to get me fired up, to get me to push myself beyond what I think I can do. And if I had never been introduced to any of that market, I'd, I'd be stagnant. Yeah, I love what you said at the tail end right there in regards to, like a thought is just a thought. Number one, a thought is not reality. Right. Right, and that's a big mindset thing. We generally have negative headspace. Right. Uh, we have to realize just because we think something, as awful as it may be, it's just that, and you can just remove it. You're going to continue to think about some weird things sometimes, but you just move it, replace it with a positive thought. But if you're not taking that thought and turning it into an action, then it's nothing. It's absolutely nothing. It's really important to take those thoughts, put them into action, and then finally you'll start to get some results. And I know this firsthand because this podcast took me five years uh, <laughs> to probably get going. It's really easy to think about doing something. And some people are so busy just thinking, like they're exhausted at the end of the day, just having thoughts and not putting things into play. So it's really important to maybe, you know, like you're saying earlier, taking notes of your your interactions with other people, mm -hmm. taking notes of interactions that you're having with yourself and really giving your brain a check and seeing where is your mindset at. And we had a conversation with a fellow entrepreneur mm -hmm. just yesterday and the topic of conversation was personal development-ish, mm -hmm. right? Mindset, headspace, and gratitude. It was really focused on gratitude. Right, right. Now, I'm very much uh, into gratitude. I've had a very difficult time with this podcast trying to figure out exactly what the fuck I want to do because there is a massive part of me uh, that is about mindset, motivation, wanting to you know, grab deep down inside of you and pull something out that's going to offer meaning, whether you know it's there or not. So I have a message. And at the same time, I want to have this conversation with people about business, mm -hmm. about sales, but I don't want it to be dry, boring, sales driven. I don't care about your closing rate. I just want value for the person that's listening. Value is the number one important thing to me on the face of this planet. Mm -hmm. When I was on radio, I spent every Wednesday doing something called Words of Wisdom Wednesday. I also turned it into something called Daily Dose of Gratitude. So I don't think that's a part of somebody's business or a part of someone's personality that anybody should hide. Like in regards to you in business, where does gratitude fall in regards to importance into your day-to-day -day and how open are you with that gratitude? Uh, you know what? So I think gratitude makes me who I am. It doesn't necessarily have to come out in a, in a business conversation or a sales conversation, although I do tend to attract people that are open to having that conversation. Mm -hmm. I think that that's, that is, for me, what makes up the approach that I take to, to giving value. 
I don't hide much. I'm I'm pretty open. Uh, thankfully, my girlfriend is uh, very okay with that. But like for me personally, on a nightly basis, I go to bed much earlier than she does, and we set aside 10, 15 minutes each night just to go through a list of 10 things we're grateful for from that day. It helps us connect. It helps us regroup. Um, but it puts us in a really great state. I, I think it's a huge thing. And I think often that we're too... Let me pause there. When I came to Ottawa, I was very business focused. It was very cut and dry. And there was this world of, and I'm going to use this word with no intent of offense to anyone. There was this world that was very woo-woo. Woo-woo-woo. <laughs> okay. Um, and... I was terrified to go into that world because I didn't understand it. Uh, I, I, I practiced gratitude all the time, but not formally. Mm-hmm. I was always appreciative. Um, I had an old director at an online university that I worked at, and she said, I'm grateful for you. Or, no, I appreciate you. Mm-hmm. And I'd never heard that, and it landed in such a great way that I started using it. Or when um, I had a, a coach, who, when I would say thank you, he would say, my pleasure. Not you're welcome. My pleasure. And there's a few things that land in a unique way that I've tried to make part of my vocabulary and part of my approach. But it took meeting my girlfriend to pull me into more of an open space because there's this group of business people, and actually it's probably the majority of the world, mm-hmm. who is anti-woo-woo. Or it, they're nervous about it. They, they know this is business, this is money, this is business structure, this is sales, revenue, all, what, all the things that feel cold in in hard-edged when it comes to business analytical analytical thank you but there's this whole other side that fuels those that are successful but unfortunately they don't talk about it much gratitude is something that has played such a huge role in my life and throughout my team building that i've been doing over the last eight years that's the difference between let's say an mlm and traditional business is that when someone's doing traditional business there's a resume (laughs) you know, they're looking to be hired. And with MLM, it's a volunteer army where people are working at their own pace. You're having people all across the board that you're going to be working with. So my number one thing that I wanted to deliver, like number one on that checklist was making sure that they left with something of value. And if they left with just practicing gratitude where they didn't before, once they're out of my sphere, then that was a victory for me. Uh, but gratitude was, it was a lifesaver. Uh, a lifesaver for me, especially when it just came, I've had some awful things happen in my life, like many people do. Lost uh, lost my mother two and a half years ago. There was a, a girl I was dating four years ago that passed away. Another girl I was dating had a stroke. I lost my dog, like not like it ran away, like my dog died. This was all in a very short period of time, right? And even though sometimes I lost focus, of gratitude because my mindset was so strong as able to find my center and eventually get back on point and be productive and once again being able to add value uh, to the marketplace Um, and you've added a lot of value to this podcast i really enjoyed our chat i appreciate the opportunity i'm grateful i appreciate you you. (laughs) no i appreciate you (laughs) no i appreciate you what's in the box (laughs) <laughs> so uh, before you do leave us, uh, would you please, we were actually talking about this. You want to add some some extra value yeah, yeah. Uh, to the people that are listening to the, the podcast right now. Uh, so you're obviously a 
a sales specialist, which is bullshit. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but you want to offer up some very non-bullshit tools to help people get to that next level in their business. Totally, totally. So I've got, I've created this PDF. It's, it's a download called the five C's of successful sales conversations. Mm -hmm. And this is a process that I mapped out for my clients, clients that invest $30,000 a year to work with me to help guide them through a sales conversation in a way that helps them gain trust and increase that like, no trust factor faster than in any other structure that I've ever used. Be able to help them close deals quicker and to have deals that are larger be the ones that they're closing. And so this is, it's fairly simple. Five five steps that is going to guide you step by step through this process, and I want to give it to your listeners for free. Um, they can go to permission to sell dot com forward slash launchpad, mm -hmm. and uh, they can download that there. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, my pleasure. Uh, also, I want you to talk a little bit about your book. Where can people find your book? My book, you can find it on Amazon. It's called Put Me in Coach. Uh, so you can put my name in, Jeremy DeMerchant. On Amazon, you will find it. You can go to permissiontosell.com. Scroll down, you will find the book there in PDF form. And on my website, the PDF's free. Mm -hmm. So go check it out there. If you do want to buy a physical copy on Amazon, uh, go for it. You can also buy a digital copy on Amazon as well. Okay. And lastly, congratulations with your Toastmasters. So yet another award uh, for this gentleman. So tell people a little bit about Toastmasters, the competition that you're currently in, mm -hmm. and what is the, the subject matter that you're speaking on that's advancing in this speech competition. Speech competition. Yes. <laughs> we do need more coffee. Yeah. It's given me the confidence to stand up and trust the words that I have to say that they're going to be received as valuable to the audience. I've been through the whole Toastmasters educational system, and now I'm in a speech competition. So what is it that you're talking about in your speech? I am talking about taking action and not letting your fear, your doubt, your procrastination take over and let you miss out on opportunities. And the speech is titled, You Snooze, You Lose. All right. And it's really about hitting your internal alarm clock, and in some cases, your literal alarm clock. So if this guy is winning awards for posture, for the way that you deliver this speech, and on a subject matter that obviously you have to be very confident on, that should give you a pretty good idea of what Jeremy Demerchant is all about. You've heard me talk about him on previous podcasts. If you're looking for someone to help you with your sales, sales strategy, sales funnel, sales anything, mm -hmm. I'm giving my permission to you to reach out to Jeremy Demerchant, permissiontosell.com. Check him out. One of the best that I believe the city has to offer. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, well, thank you very that. much for stopping by, brother. It was a pleasure. And thank you once again to my kick-ass sponsor, Gallant Media, for all your business development needs. Big city design at small town pricing. We're talking about websites, logos, anything print material, also your promotional items, all one stop, all one place, gallantmedia.ca. You take care, be well, and love simply because you can.